Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365, our post-Final Four edition. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our show... I'll be joined by new UCLA head coach McCronin and new Belmont head coach Casey Alexander. Before we get to that, John Fanta from the Big East Digital Network and Fox Sports going to discuss with me uh, the surprising news of the transfers of the Hauser brothers from Marquette, Joey and Sam Hauser. This coming on the heels of Marcus Howard, who could enter the season as a preseason All-American first team, certainly player of the year candidate, and his decision he decided to come back, and then days later, the Hauser brothers opting to transfer. So major news for Marquette. Marquette was in my top 10 for the pre-pre-preseason, early, 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 Power 36. They were in everyone else's top 10, Big East favorite. We'll discuss that with John Fanta. Before we get to Mick Cronin and Casey Alexander, uh, let's look at some coaching changes since we last spoke at the Final Four. Alabama hiring Nate Oates to replace Avery Johnson from Buffalo, Great hire in terms of a great coach. He's proven it. Uh, we'll see if it's a fit. You know, we got to give him a chance. Uh, not everyone has to be from the South uh, at a job like Alabama. He's a good coach, and he can recruit. So let's see what happens uh, at Alabama, um, and, I, and I think it could work. Eric Musselman replacing Mike Anderson at Arkansas, I think is a great hire. Uh, Musselman, I think, fits at Arkansas. Arkansas can take transfers. Uh, where Musselman has thrived, uh, whether they are JC or four-year transfers. And I think this will be a great match. I think they'll like the style. Um, and I do think that this one will work. Uh, Jim Weitzel replaces Nate Oates, veteran coach. I think that'll be a solid hire for Buffalo. Um, Mark Fox going from out of the biz the last uh, – year after getting relieved of his duties at Georgia. He's headed to Cal and Cal needed an experienced coach. So that's why I have hope for Mark Fox to get it done in Berkeley because they needed someone who had built and run a program. Fox did that at Nevada before Georgia. Mark Pope, perfect hire for BYU uh, to replace Dave Rose. Uh, Pope had done very well at Utah Valley. Remember him from Kentucky. And I loved his energy that he delivered um, for uh, in his news conference for replacing Dave Rose. The hire of uh, John Brandon uh, was at Northern Kentucky. He replaces um, McCronin. And uh, look, you know, he's been there. Um, he's got big shoes to fill because Mick was an institution at Cincinnati. And we're going to talk to Mick about making that move, obviously, momentarily. So, you know, I want to see how that one all plays out. Um, you know, Brennan deserves... Brandon deserves that kind of a shot, but let's see how it all plays out. Uh, it's a big job right now because they are one of the anchors in the American. Um, the other one, I want a couple others that we'll just touch on here. You know, obviously this happened last week or the week before. I'm trying to remember the timing. But Fred Hoiberg's a home run for Nebraska. I think I spoke on this. 
It's a home, home run. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't think he would do it. I said this before, I'll say it again. I'm surprised. I just didn't know that he would do it because I thought he would either stay in the NBA or look for something like UCLA. So, and Bill Moose, you know, he hired Ernie Kent, you know, at Washington State, didn't work out. Didn't know if he could pull it off, even though he did get Scott Frost on the Nebraska football side. So it's a home run. And no Nebraska fans will be on me about this, but look, it's a great hire. Steve Alford going to Nevada. I was with Alford during our fast break show on March Madness, and he wanted to coach badly. He had success in the Mountain West. So, I, you know, I, there's no reason to believe he can't do it at Nevada because he did it in New Mexico. Todd Golden getting bumped up uh, at USF, I think is a good move. I appreciate the, uh, you know, getting, uh, giving someone a chance uh, who's been there. And, but this is a big move for USF. They made progress under Kyle Smith. They've got to take the next step under Todd Golden. So I think there's pressure on Todd to deliver here and keep USF at the, you know, competing with Gonzaga near the top of the WCC. So really you'll be watching that one. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, the home run, obviously we knew Buzz Williams was going to Texas A&M. That's a no brainer. Um, You know, Aaron McKee, we knew that for a long time going to Temple. He played there. So that makes total sense. TJ Oxelberger, Going to UNLV uh, from South Dakota State, he was very successful there. Makes sense. Uh, next week on our podcast, we're going to talk to Jerry Stackhouse, replacing Bryce Drew. I was critical of Andy the way they handled the Bryce Drew situation. So, uh, But I think Stackhouse, I love the fact that he has worked at the craft, much like Patrick Ewing, and obviously an unbelievable name. And I want him to be successful. I think it would be great for Vandy if he is, and for college athletics and for former players. Mark Madsen getting Utah Valley from Stanford and – Worked, uh, you know, he's been a coach um, in the NBA. And, you know, I, I think this is a great match for Utah Valley to get a name. Someone with a name recognition of Mark Madsen is a huge coup for them. Uh, and the last two, well, uh, well, Buzz, I said was homer. The last two I just want to mention real quickly. I'm sorry as I'm looking at this list here. Uh, Mike Young replacing Buzz at Virginia Tech. Great to see a coach. I kind of look at this one like the Fran Dunphy move from Penn to Temple. An older coach uh, who deserves a shot at a higher major, kind of like Laranaga, Jim Laranaga from Mason to Miami. So, you know, he's put in his time, been very successful. I think it's a great move for Virginia Tech to get someone like Wofford's Mike Young. They bump up Jay McAuley from uh, McAuley uh, as an assistant. So that should work. And then Kyle Smith going to Washington State. I just mentioned him at USF. You know, it's been very difficult to win at Washington State. We've seen it. Really, Tony Bennett and Dick Bennett were able to do it. Uh, you got to go way back to a little Kelvin, a little George Raveling, Kelvin Sampson, I mean. So, uh, you know, it's not an easy job. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Kyle can get it done. I don't care who the head coach is. It's not easy. All right, so let's discuss first what happened to Marquette. Then we'll go to Mick Cronin. Uh, look, UCLA, by the way, tried many different avenues. They weren't getting Tony Bennett. They weren't getting Mark Few. They weren't getting John Calipari. I didn't think they were getting Rick Barnes. The Jamie Dixon play, you know, buyouts, whatever, probably was not the greatest fit. Um, and Dana Altman was not the first choice at Oregon. have had great success. So if this works out for... All parties, Mick 
and UCLA, it's a home run, even though he was not the first choice. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, I guess UCLA felt like they had to do that and flirt with others, but they weren't getting these guys. I never believed they were. So, all right. Talk a little Marquette, UCLA, and then Belmont. And as promised, here in March Madness 365, John Fanta, who covers the Big East for Big East Digital and is a play-by-play extraordinaire for Fox Sports. You can uh, see him covering a number of different sports. Uh, so few people know the Big East like John Fanta. Uh, John, Sam, and Joey Hauser announcing that they are leaving Marquette just days after Marcus Howard, who could be a preseason player of the year, let alone preseason player of the year in the Big East next season, um, announces he's returning to Marquette. What's your initial reaction to the news that the Housers would transfer from Marquette? This shatters the expectations for the Golden Eagles, and it changes the complexion of the Big East in 2019-20. You're talking about a Marquette team that had Final Four expectations, that was expected to be ranked in the top 10, at worst top 15 in the preseason top 25, and now with Sam and Joey Hauser, the second and third options for the Golden Eagles gone, Andy, you're talking about a Marquette team that has questions to answer now because they have to compensate for that lost scoring and Marquette yes they have Marcus Howard who's a top five top ten player in the country but they were at their most complete with those two Sam and Joey complimenting him so it's absolutely shocking to see them transferring just because they looked happy at Marquette Uh, their father Dave was very involved with the program at every home and road game. He traveled with the team, was in the second or third row watching and, and cheering them on and, and just was so engaged with the program. And it looked like the perfect fit with them being Wisconsin natives. So this comes as a shock for the Golden Eagles. And it means that the door is open for a preseason favorite in the Big East. So two things here, John. First of all, without the Hauser brothers, who could step up based on the current roster to fill some of that scoring? Based on the current roster, Sakar Annam, he's back for the Golden Eagles, and this is a, an upperclassman who really got his scoring up this past year, Andy. He was finding double figures much more. Before that was really an afterthought offensively. You thought of him for his defense. So watch out for Annam to compliment Marcus Howard. On top of that, I expect Brendan Bailey to make a leap from freshman to sophomore year. People forget that that Bailey's actually a 22-year-old kid, even though he was a freshman this past year, but he went on a more mission. And so he'll be back for Marquette next season. And I think that he's a guy that can stretch the floor really well. And with more usage, you could see him take the lead. Also watch out for Utah State transfer Kobe McEwen. McEwen, I was at a practice last fall, and – he was defending Marcus Howard as well as I've seen anybody do it. Now, of course, he got to see Marcus every day in practice, but this kid has a toughness factor that he gives Marquette in the backcourt, and they expect him to score the ball as well. So watch out for an impact transfer in Kobe McEwen. Remember that name. That's why I love the insider information you give. Um, you know, look, I think we both agree if Miles Powell returns to Seton Hall, they will become the new favorite uh, in the Big East. Um so we'll wait and see. we got to wait and see if he does return uh, before we anoint the Pirates as uh, the preseason favorite. Before I let you go, John, um, the coaching search at St. John's, I don't want to get into the weeds of that because when people listen to the podcast, who knows, it may have already been decided. So let me look back before I let you go, John. Chris Mullins' tenure at St. John's, he did get them into the NCAA tournament, uh, so they at least did that. They crossed that threshold. Uh, what's the legacy of bringing back Mullen to his alma mater, you know, one of the biggest names that's ever played there. 
here's my thing with St. John's, Andy. This is a program that I don't think people realize this enough. They don't have an NCAA tournament win since 2000. And a lot of people talk about the garden and talk about the aura of St. John's. Well, the fact is it has not been the easiest of places to win because if you look at the standard, it's, it's been a challenge. It really has been. And what Chris Mullins did is he reestablished the pride for the program. St. John's and their five Madison Square Garden appearances this past season, they had 18,000 plus on average. They got the buzz going in New York City again. And while they fell short of their ultimate goals of potentially making a tournament run, getting a game or two, I look at what Chris Mullen did here. Here's the thing about Chris Mullen. Nobody's more prideful for St. John's. He has that pride factor, and he absolutely – no one wears that on their sleeve more. Here's the other thing about Mullen. Great with the media. He, he was always great with the fans. Look, it didn't necessarily translate to wins, but – he gave St. John's fans a taste of what could be if this program gets on a winning track. And that's why what I would say to St. John's fans, I won't name any names because when they're listening to the podcast, could be in a different uh, type of segment with this coaching search. What can be said about St. John's is, is this. They are trying to go after every possible front with this because they want to get this hire right, knowing what they could be in New York City, but also what they haven't been in the last two decades. And that's a team that's capable of making an NCAA tournament run. They want to get back to that level, and they believe they have the resources to do it. That's why you'll see them scheduling up more in future years and playing more in Madison Square Garden. They have an athletic director, Mike Craig, who spent three decades at Duke. That has to translate to some success. And that's why St. John's fans, while this is a murky time for them, Andy, I think you have to take a step back and you have to remember who you have leading your athletic department now and what you just tasted at the Garden. There's still some reason for some positives and potential in Queens. John Fanta, as always, delivering the goods on the Big East. Appreciate it, John. Thanks, Andy. And coming up next on March Madness 365, the new head coach at UCLA, Mick Cronin. And now joining me here, March Madness 365, new UCLA head coach, Mick Cronin, how's that sound? Sounds great, my friend. Sounds great. So just so it looks great as I'm looking out my window here. <laughs> well, I've been on that campus many times, including this winter. I love it. Love being there. I think it's one of the best campuses in America. You have One been... of? Come on, buddy. It's the best campus in the world. Yes. I'm a little biased, obviously. You know, I went to Madison, which is so why I love the lakes, but can't beat the... the uh, the weather and everything about UCLA. But, uh, you know, look, you have been in that, you know, West Virginia, Ohio region pretty much your entire career. Uh, why was the timing right to make this move? Well, you guys, it's because this is when the opportunity presented itself. You know, I think fortunately for me, 16 years as a head coach, seven as an assistant, I wouldn't want anybody coming to any situation like this without experience. My experience, obviously, in 06, taking over for Coach Huggins, legendary coach at Cincinnati. Things couldn't have been any worse there. Relationships in the community, the school, uh, administration, nobody on the same page. And then I had to navigate those waters, something I never would want to do again. But uh, it was invaluable for me because, you know, you take a job at, at one of the Blue Bloods, obviously expectations are high, but... There's also so many ancillary things that go on with the job, Andy, as you know. 
and you got to be able to have the, the experience, the wisdom, and also the fortitude to stay focused on the task at hand, which is putting together a great basketball program and making sure uh, you do it the right way. And it's not easy. There's a lot of competition in, in our game and in our world, and there's so many, uh, so many things pulling uh, your players in different directions. They can pull your coaches in different directions. And uh, I, I learned quickly uh, on the job there as a young coach at 34 years old how to make sure I stay focused and uh, focus on the things that we're going to get Cincinnati to where we could get back to the NCAA tournament. We could get back on our feet uh, from an academic standpoint. We could get just get players on the team, you know, then get the fans back, you know, eventually get an arena built, cut down nets again uh, and win conference championships and graduate players. So uh, you can't do it, buddy, if you don't keep your eye on the ball. And obviously out here there's a lot of distractions and uh, you got to make sure I stay focused. And I think hopefully my experience is going to help me and uh, do that and make sure I can also – impart that to the players because uh, the distractions for them are real as well at every school but obviously here is pretty nice outside right so mick to me it's always about the fit and it's about getting the right person regardless of when that occurs and i am not you know i i think you can do great there i think that you'll work your tail off you've obviously proven yourself and i think things will go well for you there whatever was reported, not reported, whatever. There were a lot of names before you, uh, before this occurred. And look, Dana Altman was not initially the first choice at Oregon. Look at the success he's had there. How did you handle that sort of time period as you clearly had some interest, your season was over once you guys lost in the tournament, and sort of waiting to see what would occur with the search? How did you handle that, you know, those couple of weeks? Well, I think, you know, you got to have some maturity and some wisdom, and and you have to understand that if a job like UCLA or Kentucky, North Carolina opens up, uh, it's the process is going to play out publicly. And there's there's certain names that have, of coaches that have won national championships already are going to get thrown out there. I think you, you would be uh, very misguided to to be thrown off by that if you were in my situation. So I expected all that. So I, what I what I would say to you, I guess my answer was, you know, like everything that happened to me when Steve got let go and uh, was it December 31st or somewhere around there, I knew all this. I, I, everything that played out, I, I, I saw it was going to play out that way then. I mean, you, when you, you know how it is, Andy, when you live in our world, right? You kind of know how things are going to play out. So it 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 was it didn't affect me at all so I, I stay focused on doing my job especially you know up until last week and uh, the people here in Westwood were great with me Dan Guerrero and and everybody that I dealt with were they were open and honest the whole time some of the stuff everybody read was true some wasn't I won't go into it cause it's, it doesn't matter you, you know after I'm glad it was me whoever gets the job the focus becomes on you know what he does with with the job now that that coach has the job but but buddy I expected all that stuff I mean and if you know if if coach K ever steps down or you know coach Cal Perry uh retires or does whatever he's going to do or uh, you know people in these types of jobs coach Williams in North Carolina the same stuff's all going to play out it's going to play out publicly I mean there's just too much interest it's just too the blue buds are what they are and there's things that go along with being the coach at these schools and searches at these types of schools so when you got that call from Dan Guerrero the first time you actually spoke knowing that you were now the target what was your initial reaction well that was not the first time we spoke okay so help me out 
so you, so you mean when they, when they called to ask me if I wanted to be the head coach at UCLA? I, I know it was probably not the first time you ever spoke, but yes. And when when they called and said, you know what, you're the guy. Here's what we like. You know, I, I don't know what the the actual negotiation, but when they made it clear to you, whether it was on the phone or whatever, that you were the person, what was your reaction knowing that, you know, it was within your grasp to make a move like this? I felt extremely honored, I mean, and privileged, but, uh, you know, excited uh, to have a chance to to uh, be at one of the best schools in the country, you know, be at one of the most storied programs in the country. It was, you know, the, obviously the, the, the other side of me is thinking, Oh my goodness! You know, I'm leaving my team. You know, you know, how am I going to leave these guys? You know, our program at Cincinnati, it wasn't the same feeling because you leave it in. in I took a program that was a mess and went to nine straight tournaments, graduate every senior in the last five years, get a ninety million dollar beautiful arena built. So I felt like I, from that standpoint, I'd done my job at Cincinnati, uh, and. And I want everybody there to support John Brandon and them to do great things and take it even further. So, but the hard part there was, you know, the players. You, you know, these guys telling these guys, "How am I going to do that?" Uh, that was that was excruciating. That was tough. But I had already made the decision mentally, already with with my daughter and her mother, that uh, if if I got the call, that I, w- I was going to take the job. So, if I can ask you, Mick, how'd you work all that out personally, and also with your dad, who I know has been. There by your side, you know, and almost. I was negotiating on two sides, my friend. <laughs> but how you gonna work? I was negotiating. No. With my daughter, I can tell you, I I secretly planned this for years because we've been vacationing in in Santa Monica and Sierra Madre with my buddy that, that lives here, and down in Del Mar and San Diego and Disney and Universal. So we we we've been on the West Coast on vacation our whole life. So uh, I've been uh, secretly prepping her to make this move for a long time. And will your dad be a regular as well? Absolutely. You know, it was tough. I would say, you know, the first hour, you know, when I went to tell, I drove to tell him in person, you know, it was a lot of shock for him because obviously, you know, for for his son to be the coach at Cincinnati, people don't know he played basketball and baseball there growing up there. So, uh, you know, that was for him. You can imagine what that meant to, to my father. But uh, then uh, I left. I said, hey, I got to go tell the team. And uh, I asked Dan Guerrero and Josh Revolts. I told them when I pulled out of his house, I asked, they said, you okay? I said, yeah, yeah, I did just tell my dad. They said, give us his number. So they called him and uh, they talked him onto the plane with me for the press conference. And next thing I know, he's over there telling stories with, with Jamal Wilkes and Michael Warren and a bunch of former players. So, you know, he, he doesn't have to wear, he doesn't have to worry about uh, wearing a coat out here. So he'll have his own room at, at my house for sure. So I saw you had lunch with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, well, well, that was good. What a great, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, so what did you guys talk about? We talked about basketball. You know, it's amazing how much, how, I tell you, from talking to uh, Kareem and try, I got a lot of guys to get to, but talking to Bill Walton on the phone extendedly and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in person, it's a message that I want my players to hear. Those guys, obviously, they helped, along with Coach Wooden and many others from that era, help make UCLA the program that everybody says it should be and wants it to be again. But they don't talk like that. There's no, they don't, to this day, one thing you can just tell what Coach Wooden did with his program, they have no entitlement. They talk about how much they love UCLA, how much it changed their life, how great of an opportunity it was. Like, that's what I was sitting there thinking. There was no, you know, this era of branding, and what you know? What, what can a school do for me? Both of those guys, 
it was all about what UCLA did for them and what the school means to them, what the program means to them. But what, all that came off to me was their, just their, their humility and their love for the program and what the program did for them. And they said that. I mean, that's exactly what they talked about. And I can't wait to have those guys talk to our players all the time because I, I just don't think you can have a great program if your players don't feel that way. They, I, you can't. My new thing here, you, you can't rent the four letters. You've got to become a part of it. It's got to become a, a part of your, your heart and soul and your, and your blood and who you are. So, uh, you know, who, who better than to, to say that to the guys on, on our team here than Bill Walton and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, Mick, roster retention, anytime you take over a job, is a big deal. Uh, where do you stand right now? I know we're not at the deadline yet, you know, for declaring for the draft. But, you know, clearly there will be some. If it, it, We'll probably lose three. We have two. Jalen Hands, Chris Wilkes are going to the NBA, probably Moses Brown. We'll see. There's a lot of young guys here. We're getting to know each other. They're working hard. We are, you know, again, clean slate is what I believe in. But uh, we got to be who we need to be to, to build the culture I believe is necessary to have sustained success. I think there, there's a difference between success and sustained success, Andy. And that was my goal at Cincinnati because I didn't you – know, obviously, I, I was a young coach at 34, so the way I tried to do things there was so I could be there a long time. And I think to have sustained success, you've got to do it the right way with character and culture. And that's my that's what I got to focus on here early in my tenure. I think we got some great kids in the program. I'm a believer in the good in every kid. You just you got to make sure that you show them the way and you, you be a leader for them. And eventually, you can turn them into a leader. And that's what I try to do with the guys at Cincinnati, and that's what I'm going to try to do here with all these guys. But uh, they have to. You know, they have to want to be here, but I want them all, and that's what I told them. But, uh, you know, we're going to go through a getting-to-know-each-other process, but they've been great so far. And next season, your teams at Cincinnati were always, you know, great defensively, played their tail off. I mean, you knew when you played Cincinnati. You would feel it after playing Cincinnati. How much will that translate to UCLA? I hope 100%. You know, I think as a coach, a great compliment is when the, the fans of the other teams in your conference start to not like you. <laughs> That's because they get sick of you beating them. You're, you're trying to get to that point as a coach. And as the other thing is, as a team, I already told our guys this, you got to be somebody that the other nobody wants to play against. And part of that is, hey, we can't guard those guys too now. That's offense. You want to get to your point where you got so much talent, you share the ball, because talent's overrated if, if if the talent isn't together. So you want to be able to put a team out there nobody wants to play. We can't guard them. We can't score on them. We can't keep them off the glass. They just will never give up if we get them down. Th- those are the things that, that you want people to think about you as a team. That's why I talk to you know the guys. We will become that here. And uh, I don't know when we're going to work towards becoming that type of team every day. Well, Mick, congratulations. Uh, I know I will be out there and uh, to see in person uh, sooner than later, but uh, you got a great gig, and I know you do, and uh, I'm glad you earned it. And, uh, you know, I just think that you say we'll continue on a, on a positive trajectory. So congratulations. I appreciate it, my friend. You know, you know here i got to find a house, but a guest, nice guest room. 
everybody's going to visit and nobody's going to want to leave. In Cincinnati, I had a beautiful guest room. Nobody ever used it. You know, <laughs> out here, you better, you better, you better have a guest room or two because everybody's going to be visiting all the time. It's so nice. So I appreciate having me on, buddy. I look forward to seeing you. All right. Thanks, Mick. You got it, Andy. And coming up next on March Madness 365, the new head man at Belmont. Very familiar name, Casey Alexander. And now join me here at March Madness 365, the new Belmont head coach, Casey Alexander. Uh, Casey takes over a program that had been run for decades under the great Rick Bird, uh, who retired after this season, after Belmont got that NCAA tournament win. Uh, Casey should be very familiar to Belmont fans because he played there, he coached there, and uh, he also coached at uh, nearby Lipscomb, taking Lipscomb to the NIT championship game. Uh, and so it's been quite a run for Casey. Uh, Casey, uh, when did you get word that uh, Coach Bird was uh, thinking about or actually had made a final decision that he was going to retire? Right. Yeah. Well, we, we, we stay in pretty regular conversation uh, throughout the year about a lot of things. And so I knew it was a possibility. Uh, I didn't think he would actually go through with it and do it uh, this year. I thought he had a few more years left in him, but uh, he let me know a couple of days ahead of the announcement. And, um, and then, uh, and then that announcement was made actually while our team was in New York city for the NIT. So had there been any kind of, you know, sort of unofficial agreement that if he did step down, um, because this was a pretty, pretty quick process. And obviously you played there, you coached there, you're close with him that you ultimately could be the successor. Uh, definitely no official or unofficial agreement. You know, I think he was very uh, cautious not to compromise any decision that the athletic director, Scott Corley, or the president, uh, Dr. Fisher, would make. But just the nature of our relationship and, uh, and our continuous conversations, we were able to talk around it a little bit. But, um, you know, he also had, I mean, he knew that there were going to be, they knew there were going to be a lot of candidates interested and, um, and they wanted to move quickly. They wanted to keep it as in-house as they could. And so there were really only a couple of logical candidates that would fit that description. When you took over at Lipscomb, not knowing, you know, this was 2013, not knowing when, if, Coach Bird would retire. What was sort of the the known, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say agreement, but what was known with you and Lipscomb that if this job were to open that, you know, it might be hard for you not to look at it, even though, you know, there was some rival competition between the two? Yeah, well, I think everybody understood, uh, at least from Lipscomb's perspective, there was risk involved that this day may occur. Uh, and, you know, but as a coach, you don't you don't ever take a job thinking about the next job, you know, I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I left Belmont in 2011 to go to Stetson and assumed at that point in time that I would never live in Nashville again as a, you know, as a coach, uh, and definitely did not assume that I would be back at Belmont as the head coach. And, and the same was true when I went to Lipscomb, uh, minus the Nashville part. That's right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, not moving, correct? No, no, no. Equidistant from my uh, from my driveway to here. Left out of my driveway, 1.4 miles to the Lipscomb garage. Right out of my driveway, 1.4 miles to the Belmont garage. Yeah, I mean, th- this is bizarre. I mean, I-, I was thinking about this before we were chatting. The only other coach I can think of that's comparable to this, but it was a longer commute, was when Mike Montgomery, you know, who actually mm-hmm. had all three jobs in the Bay Area because he coached at Stanford, went to the Warriors, and then he coached at Cal. Uh, I don't know if he fully moved, but there's still a lot of commuting in the Bay Area. 
Um, this is pretty unique that you're literally could come across, you know, people that you dealt with at Lipscomb. You literally could pass Lipscomb throughout the course of your day, depending upon where you're going. So, you know, you, you can't really sort of get away from your previous job. Right. And, and I wouldn't want to, there are a lot of great people there. They may not want to see me, but I'll be happy to see them. Uh, you know, and the, the, the other part that's really unique is, is I'm taking a job that, you know, I'll walk in on the first day and I know most of the people here. Uh, I know the roster very well. Uh, I know what's made this program good. And so, you know, there's just a comfort level that you're just not going to see any, any time you take another job, much less not having to move my family or my kids having to change schools or anything else. So before we look at Belmont, let's talk about Lipscomb because you guys had a remarkable run. There was a lot of chatter, um, you know, certainly this season. Uh, and, you know, the A-Sun and the OVC, you can debate leagues are better, whatever. You know, I think the OVC probably has a little bit more depth, you know, in terms of funding and facilities. You know, they're probably at the top pretty good both, you know, might not be as great on the bottom of each league. So, you know, there's pros and cons in each league, but you took sure. – a Lipscomb team that was right there with Liberty throughout the course of the season and ultimately losing in the championship uh, tournament. So you don't go to the NCAA tournament, a lot of debate whether you should or should not have, and then you end up going through the NIT and getting to New York. How would you characterize what this season meant to you, to this program, and to Lipscomb to be really on the doorstep of a potential at large berth? You know, we're in the NCAA tournament in 2018, and we return all five starters. So we had expectations. Uh, but you and I both know that that's, you know, that can be a dangerous formula sometimes, especially, you know, old, old players, um, you know, can be really good or they can be really bad, you know, for our expectations. But uh, I felt like our team, you know, other than, you know, not finishing that last minute with Liberty uh, in the conference champion uh, tournament championship game, uh, maxed out really well. You know, not we, I mean, we win our league. You know, we got a great early season wins at TCU, at SMU. We put, you know, our final net ranking was had to be in the 30s, I would guess. Uh, you know, and so even though we were disappointed with the NCAA, um, you know, with not making it, uh, we rebounded from that and, and then still maxed out pretty well uh, with an NIT run. What do you think that did for Lipscomb to get all the way to New York? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's set up to take the next step. The Lipscomb administration is is very committed to being good. I think there's great leadership there. I think there are resources there. Uh, and um, and so I would fully expect them to hire a um a high quality coach um, that you know that has more than I did when we were there, and um, and continue to improve and get better. And I think the whole Lipscomb community will benefit from it. Yeah, I mean, certainly you can debate national recognition. Um, you know, I think whenever you win an NCAA tournament game, it puts you on the map in March Madness. If you can get to New York, where you have the captivated basketball audience on those two nights because there isn't competition. That certainly can do wonders. I think the mainstream people that pay attention that didn't know where, what Lipscomb was, I think that certainly helps their brand. For Belmont, there's no question that, you know, those of us that cover the sport year-round, we know, of course, no Rick, knew Rick Bird. We knew this program. We knew how successful it had been. But then also to get a win, the win over Temple, to get into, you know, the, uh, the 64 part, that next round, to be competitive, I think that also has incredible value as you look at what you're taking over at this moment in time, this time for Belmont, what do you see? Yeah, well, the, the longevity of success at Belmont 
speak for itself. This was the first NCAA tournament win, but I think there's, you know, eight, eight appearances maybe in the last 12 or 13 years, um, more academic All-Americans than anybody in the country since we've been Division One. Uh, it's been a model of success for mid-major programs, and uh, anybody who visits our campus, you know, would understand why. And it was, it's just, I um, mean, we're, I can see downtown Nashville from where we're standing right now. Um, you know, we've got, there's a huge commitment to be good here. Our buildings, our facilities, you know, the history. I mean, it's just a plum job, and um, it doesn't mean it's gonna. It doesn't mean it's gonna work work itself out. Uh, you know, it requires maintenance, and you've got to. We've got to put in the time and effort to stay relevant. But um, you know, but anybody that's halfway good at this job should be able to do that. Well, you are in charge of that now. What are the chances that? Uh, I mean, John Morant's not at Murray anymore, obviously, yeah. uh, but they're always consistently good. I don't care who's there. What are the chances that you can take over this Belmont program and be right there in contention to win the league, get a bid, and continue what Rick Bird's been able to do? Yeah, I, I don't want to minimize the, the potential of anybody else in the league, but if we're not uh, playing for championships and if we're not relevant in our league in the regular season, you know, then we're just not getting the job done. That's the expectation here. Uh, again, you know, things have to go your way. You've got to stay healthy. You know, you got to catch some breaks. You got to battle through adversity quicker than the other teams may. Uh, but, but that's what we expect for sure. And, um, be disappointed if we don't get it. All right. So in terms of style of play, you played for him. You're in their hall of fame at Belmont. You were an assistant there. How much will it mirror what Rick Bird was able to accomplish there, especially offensively? Right. Yeah. I think the casual observer will have a really difficult time noticing a difference. You know, our tempo will still be really high. We'll still spread the floor with shooters and guys that play with each other. A, a lot of motion offense. Um, the, the biggest difference probably will be that it will be less dependent upon ball screens, um, which is, you know, anti-basketball right now. But um, that's probably the biggest difference. But I think it'll be very, very much the same. You know, but you're naturally talking about you know, two different people with different personalities. And so the behind the scenes thing, you know, the, the practice schedule, the uh, the year round strength and conditioning, just the way that we go about our business, that's that's probably where the biggest changes will occur, even though those will still be minimal. Well, Casey, I appreciate you taking some time here for us at March Madness 365. Congrats on the gig, getting back to your alma mater. And I know your family's got to be thrilled that their lives don't have to change at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a win-win. Switching their gear from what, purple and, uh, and was it purple and yellow to more of yeah. the, the blue and red? Red and blue, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity. I'm extremely blessed to have it and really looking forward to it. Thanks. All right, congrats. Thank you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. We are year-round here at March Madness covering the sport. We are just been blessed with great guests Uh, Throughout the course of our second season here on our podcast network of Turner Podcast Network and March Madness, all our social media platforms. Appreciate you guys. have done a great job of downloading this podcast. So uh, we're trying to deliver it year round. Getting the names of the game. I mentioned some of these coaching changes. We'll have them on this podcast. A number of them. As I mentioned, next week, Jerry Stackhouse, new Vanderbilt head coach. He'll join me right here on March Madness 365.